Let's put the rad in radical. If you're looking to expand your life, then you've come to the right place. We're Amanda, Ali, and Reina, and each week we're setting the scene to level up our everyday lives in all areas. Mindset, lifestyle, community, and more. And we want you to come with. Well, my friends, welcome back to Let's Put the Rad in Radical. And I am doing the intro today because I have a dear friend of mine, Sarah Mashansky, the one and only here to be interviewed. And now you might say, Ali, why do we need to hear from a friend of yours? Well, actually, it comes from a long kind of funny story where she reached out to us because of the journey and the kind of life chameleon she has evolved into. I can tell you as a personal friend, Sarah, lives with an attitude of gratitude, but her story is redonkulous. And it's always a good thing for us to start with, Sarah, how did you kind of go from, you know, if I can just paint a picture, a incredibly talented makeup artist into a traveling chef, self-taught, I might add, where I know you lived on yachts and boats and you were in incredibly tropical, beautiful places. I followed you religiously on Instagram. Uh, morphing into a, I think we said something like 12 years of being single to finally in your late thirties, meeting a delicious man, changing your life yet again, and coming down with a diagnosis of endometriosis, which the three of us don't really know what the deal is with that. And we want you to educate us, but how a woman in her early forties is kind of navigating a diagnosis and yet again, you pivoting. So Sarah, where do we even begin? Back, back, let's back it up. You as a makeup artist, journey us a little bit. Okay. Allie, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, ladies. Um, so I was always going to be a makeup artist since I was uh, about 15 years old, 14 years old, and I got into photography in junior high. And I had taken my mom's credit card to run an errand and I was in the bookstore and I found a huge makeup book by Kevin Acoin. I don't know if any makeup people know him. He's one of the original celebrity makeup artists. He was like best friends with Gwyneth Paltrow. And the whole book was makeovers, but like extreme, like turning Gwyneth Paltrow into like someone from the 20s, turning his mom into this glamorous woman. And I became obsessed and I was like, I'm going to be a makeup artist. And people were like, what's a makeup artist? I mean, it was the nineties. Like that wasn't a thing. And so even fast forward at grad, I had appointments booked all day for hair and makeup. My mom was furious because my grandma was visiting, but I was like, mom, I'm busy working. And I had my first paid wedding right after we graduated. So into my twenties, that was my mission. I went to makeup school, but nobody tells you there's no job as a makeup artist. So you're actually an entrepreneur. Um, so I became an entrepreneur long before I knew I was one. Um, and I ended up going to business school and making a business plan and starting a business called BFF, Best Face Forward. And then in my late 20s, I got teed up with Blow, Blow Dry Bar on the opening ground. So I helped open and launch Blow. And the team at Blow were like, you're amazing. What do you, we need you. So they're like, why don't you have your makeup business in Blow at the Four Seasons Hotel? So I had my makeup company there at Blow in the Four Seasons and was just killing it and eventually took it to a home-based business because I'm like, I can make more money by myself. So took it to a home-based business and just 
killed it. I did Michael Bublé's wedding. I used to do Tamara Taggart's hair every day for the six o'clock news, the Real Housewives of Vancouver. I was really living my dream life, like everything that I had wanted. And it was so glamorous. <laughs> I got to, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of being a chef and it's not glamorous. So <laughs> being a hair and makeup artist is very glamorous and so much fun. Um, so you're probably like, cool, Sarah, well, why did you leave your dream job? So two things I figured out. One is sometimes once you get everything you wanted, it's not what you want anymore. And that's one thing I find like growing up, we weren't really taught about that you're allowed to change. You're allowed to have like new dreams and new goals. So it didn't mean I didn't like love my life, but I was like, Hmm. And then another thing, I was about 31-ish and everybody was doing babies, house, dogs, all this. And I was like, hold up. I don't know that I want to live in Vancouver forever. I always thought I'd travel the world more, like live in New York, do all these things. But instead, my life I had built, I couldn't even take a week's holiday without these women like flipping a lid. Like I I was so stressed. I slept with my Blackberry under my pillow. Like they were calling me 5 a.m. Like, so yes, it was glamorous, but it was stressful. So would I have made this massive change on my own? I'm not sure. I was starting to think in the background, what the hell? Like, what am I, what does the future look like for me? And then I had a massive trauma. Um, long story short, I went to Ontario to visit my best friend's mother-in-law. And we were floating on the river together, just the two of us. And she had a massive heart attack and died in my arms. There was nobody around. I couldn't get any help. We were like in the middle of nowhere. Um, and Amber uh, was the most fucking hilarious woman, mum, mum, pot smoking, f drum bopping. Like she, I used to do her hair a couple times a week and she's like, fucking Sarah, like, where's the doobies cut blow dry my hair I'm like okay Amber like you're amazing that's how my mom is and she was living her life to the max in the year leading up to her death she didn't give a shit what anybody said or what anybody did she married her gay best friend for his like Air Canada points she went to Thailand had a facelift and tummy tuck and like her kids are like what are you doing she's like screw you guys like this is my one life so when when she died, it was her biggest um, worry in her life that she would die alone um, at the cabin. And she didn't. She died with me. And um, I was saying nice things to her. I mean, to be honest with you girls, I didn't know she was dying in that moment, but I didn't want her to feel like distressed. So I was like, everything's going to be okay. And she passed over. So obviously everybody in my life was a bit concerned about me after this time. <laughs> so people bought me sessions, four sessions to see this amazing guru counselor guy. And the very first thing he said to me was, Sarah, you can use this experience as one more thing to add to all the life experiences you had and like as your backpack and keep going on in life. Or you can use this to break open, shatter everything and break through and start to walk through your new life and all these traumas and everything like leaving them behind I won't get into it today I know we only have half an hour but I have a long history of traumas in my life my whole life so that's another reason why this attitude of gratitude and why I want to share my story with people being so positive because it is a choice 
it's um it is a choice <laughs> that's the bottom line so working with gary and learning everything and i started to be like what am i doing with my life well i had a best friend who worked on super yachts and i found out you could cook on boats without being a chef because Side note to all of this, I have had tummy problems since the age of 19. I've been in and out of the hospital around the globe. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. So I started altering my diet to see how I could affect my health and it changed my life. So I started doing for my clients, helping them cook like cupcakes for their kids or helping cater parties. And I realized all my extra money from hair and makeup was going back into food and like new gadgets. So actually my excitement for life was really becoming about food, not hair and makeup. So when I found out you could cook on boats without being a chef, I naively was like, oh, I'm going to go do that. So I gave up my business. Um, and all my belongings, like my hundred million dresses and shoes and packed a bag. And I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, took a week long boat course and then went around hustling to um, try to be a boat chef. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny to think about because if you if you knew what yacht life is like, I don't know if you guys have watched Below Deck. Um, yes, you've seen Below Deck. So that's true. That's the life I lived for a decade. So no, you can't just show up with no experience. But I did. I hustled, hustled, hustled. And uh, I got my first job. And I had third stewardess relief cook. So I was the lowest ranking person on the boat at 32 years old. And had to like iron and wash sheets and scrub the floor and um, work my way up. I'm like, am I just going on and on and on? I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sarah, um, I, I have got to say, I am blown away. And this is why the three of us have absolutely let you just express, <laughs> just begin, just create the excavation of the story that is Sarah. And so I'm really thankful that you were willing to crack yourself so wide open. Um, but what I would love to know is, do you think, because you said, I'm not actually sure that had this traumatic experience happened, that maybe I would not necessarily have done anything more than sling it over my back and call it just my regular, my regular trauma, my regular baggage. Do you feel that it took that truly like transformative moment, that devastation to make you almost wake up in a way and say, why am I not living this way? Why this inspiration of this person being able to say she really did it her way. She really vocalized what she wanted. She did what she wanted. And and I cannot even begin to fathom what that experience was like for you. My heart is seriously aching just hearing that. But do you feel that sometimes people need something to truly rock the foundation of their world to maybe decide it's time? Oh, hell yes. Yes, 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 yes. And in that moment for that experience, I never felt really sad. It was weird. I felt like it was like where I was supposed to be, but the whole thing transformed me because I thought I was living Amber's life. I thought I was already doing it my way, blah, 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 blah. But as I could go deeper on that and, you know, with society's expectations, like, well, if you're 32, 31, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. So it was more breaking the free from society's norms, like, fuck that I actually can do because every person in my life is like what are you doing you spent your entire life building this business what are you doing 
And I lost clients over it because even before I was gone, some clients could not see where I was coming from and they, it made them uncomfortable to be around. And I think that's a scary transition to make. Do you, can you share with me? Cause I'm now like, okay. Cause I'm very curious. Cause you you were here doing something you were like so excited about and so passionate about, and then boom, trauma happens and boom, you're like thrown into this new passion. Did you have any doubt leaving what you were so excited for to something well, else was, kind of where you were following your gut, you know? I was so scared, but I think I was so naive and so determined. And if you've watched Below Deck or if you have any friends who live like this lifestyle, you're like, just see pictures of like the Caribbean and the Mediterranean. So I was like, I can handle that. Like I didn't really... Th looking back now I just kept it pre I was so in the present like I'm going to do this not getting too far ahead of myself because if I was then I wouldn't have made the change because why on earth would anybody hire me to cook when I have zero experience as a chef like zero none none so it was like setting yourself up for failure really but it's not if you just truly believe in yourself like I went into it like I'm going to do this no matter what like there was no, what happens if it doesn't work out? There was no plan B. You know, I want to just touch on that quick because the fact that you mentioned there was no plan B, sometimes people rely so heavily on every other letter of the alphabet for the reason as to what, like almost to the point where it becomes the excuse as to why A is really going to only ever be the one that they do. And, you know, I, what would you say to somebody who's maybe at the precipice or like some sort of juxtaposed moment of, I'm ready to now experience something different. I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to break the habit of the ritual or routine that I'm currently in, regardless of how beautifully it serves me, because perhaps it serves you in some regards, but depletes you in others. What would you say to somebody who's, you know, potentially taking that naive leap, but really it might be the actual best thing that they could ever dream of doing for themselves? That is an awesome question. And I would say the first thing is don't listen to others because everybody's telling you their perception of their life and your life. You're a mirror. So people might be jealous. I want to change my life. So then they're giving you their jealousy perception or they're scared for you. They wouldn't make big changes. So they, they only want the best for you so they can see your life right now is going good. So don't change it. So the more people you tell, the more feedback you're going to get back. And you just need to be strong in that conviction on your own. And I would, that would be the main one, but also just writing it down and writing down, like, what's your purpose? What's your mission? Like, what, what do you even want from life? And don't care. Yeah, I guess brings back, don't care what other people think. Even, even your best friend, even your mom like whoever, like they loved you, but they don't know you, you know you. I can tell you firsthand that I remember when you and I were talking and you said, I'm leaving my business to go live on yachts. And I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know how successful, like you, Sarah worked with everyone, every who's who in Vancouver from Michael like- Buble, Michael Buble's yeah. wedding. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, to the wedding, no big deal. <laughs> But, you know, I will also say that I was glued to your journey the minute that your plane took off and you went to live 
in like Florida to get on a luxury yacht and you were hustling and you showed it all on social media. And I remember being like, man, this is ballsy. This is ballsy. So you get on your first boat and then what happens? Oh, well, <laughs> trauma, trauma. Well, so, so on yachts, the highs are highs, the lows are lows. So the coolest things, my first yacht, um, I'm going to say this now, me and this girl are really good friends now, but uh, during that time, my chief stewardess uh, had a uh, drinking problem, was an alcoholic, but we actually knew each other from growing up in high school. So it was very, very complicated um, to be working with an alcoholic. And we can say this for another interview, but I was raised by an alcoholic. So it was just like so intense and you're living and working together. And one little anecdote um, on New Year's Eve, um, we ended up in Hawaii. We sailed from San Diego to Hawaii on our way to Micronesia and she drank too much um, on New Year's Eve and I had to bring her back to the boat. Um, long story short, she fell in the water in between the boat and the dock and I had to dive in and save her. And it was the, probably one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, but she was so drunk, she doesn't even remember. Like if she hears this podcast, that might be a, a new memory for her. Um, so things like that, that's, I'd only been in yachts like less than six months when that happened. And I'm like, what the actual hell is going on here? So there, it's a cowboy's game. Like there's no rules, like it's all just flying. And so I've had some of the greatest experiences of my life and I've had some of the worst experiences of my life. And I was on yachts for three years straight, left, went, didn't come back to Canada, left for three years, then I came back. And I took a break because I was like, whoa, this place is just wild. Like I need some stability. So I came back to Canada. But what does a hair and makeup artist turned yacht chef come back to Canada and do for work? So I was like so lost and I was so popular. I had so many people following me and everyone thought I was so amazing. And like so many people want to meet up with me and like talk about like what I had done. And people tell me I'm so inspiring. And I was like, like a shell. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm so inspiring. Like I'm so lost. And on land, I ended up having to just do jobs for like $15 an hour, trying to get my foot in the door anywhere as a chef. So in two years, I got into $21,000 of debt and was no closer to any goal in any way. Like, I don't know what I thought. And not that we have time for this, but I would love to tell you guys how I got out of, because um, I did go back onto yachts for another four years. But so this is something I feel like I could share with your listeners. So I was in a studio apartment, which at times I was sharing with somebody to save money because I had no money. Um, I, so I'd gone from this glamorous life of making shit ton of money, sailing all over the world. Sure, you had the lows. But like, it was like a lot better than what I was doing here in Vancouver. Um, but I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. Oh my God. I've lost you guys. You're back. Um, and so I started writing. I bought and bought giant post-it notes. And I put them up all over my entire apartment. And it was like a written vision board. 
what do you like all your goals, who you want to work with, like literally all your dreams, but my entire apartment walls. And just from that, I can't even get into all the crazy coincidences that happened just from doing that. But it was one call I made, one Facebook reach out. What the guy wasn't on Facebook. The next day I get a Facebook friend request. Oh, he joined Facebook so he could reach out to me. I'm like, Pat, I just tried to reach out to you yesterday. We haven't spoken in years. He's like, well, I'm producing a movie and a Stephen King film. And I thought there's nobody I'd rather want on my team than you, Sarah. Well, I'm not a producer. I don't work in film, but he just knows me. And we worked together in the past and was like, we need you on our team. Like, we just know you'd be a great team. So long story short, I produced a Stephen King film in Victoria for six weeks. <laughs> no big deal. And through meeting Pat, well, he, that night, he was with a guy who knows Scooter Braun and Usher and Lewis Howes. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're on my list to da 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 da. Then the next day I got a call from a chef from Yachts who I worked with for a week who's like, Sarah, you're amazing. I have this family in Bermuda who needs a chef for um, a month for the America's Cup. So they flew me to Bermuda and I stayed in a villa for like two months. And then while I'm in Bermuda, I get a call from a friend in Spain, Sarah, we need a chef on our boat, please come back. So I flew home the next week I was in Spain, like, then I was back on the yachts, like, so my point of saying all this is life isn't happening to us. We are in full control of life. It does not happen to us. Anything you want, you can get, and everything you want is on the other side of fear. I was fucking shitting myself. I don't know how to produce a movie. I'm not a good enough chef that I could go and be a personal chef in this rich people's house in Bermuda who are like own the America's Cup. Like, I'm like, no, no, that's not me. But fake it till you make it. Yes, it is me. I'd be so happy to do that and just doing it. So like just doing it. But life doesn't happen to us. Like these traumas, the woman dying, all that stuff. Yes, we can't control, but it's what you do with it after. So sorry, again, I've gone off on a tangent but I hope keep going no I'm <laughs> loving these tangents I have to just you go in the middle of that story or towards the end of the story you go no 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 that's not me and I could see that like in that moment of time you had this piece of you that was like I don't deserve this this is not something that should be coming to me this is definitely like I'm not the person like how did I have chills even just saying that sentence like how did you get out of your own way in that sense, because it's easy to say, yeah, go with your gut and do this and just do it. But like, how do you just do it? That's like such a scary thing for people, I think. Well, I think for me, it's not been healthy in a way because I've been in survival mode my entire life. So in that mo in that time, I'm in that apartment and I'm like in survival. And I'm like, how can I get out? So just say yes. Like people are throwing me lifelines. I don't know what's at the end of this rope, but I got to grab it because I know I don't want to be where I am. So what's scarier, what I'm going to do or where I'm at. But I, I, that's where I'm at right now in life. How do I keep achieving more, but live in thrive mode? Not, not just survival. I want to thrive. So that, that part, but it's so true, Reina, the deserving part. What do I feel I'm worthy and um, that has been a huge thing. And my times when I'm most successful in my life is when I do believe in myself and my worth. And my lowest times is when I have let things happen when I didn't feel that I'm 
worthy or deserving of what's happening to me. Isn't there such an interesting yin and yang balance between the traumas that we have experienced and what we decide to take with us and then build our self-worth off of them, right? And a lot of the times we just fall back into the comfort, right? You could have stayed a makeup artist. This is, I keep harping back because no, no, it's true. you were an incredible makeup artist. You did not, like, you did not have to do anything that would have set you on this path. Oh, yeah. You could have been now closing in on the forties, owning a penthouse, like the, the dollar value on what you could have monetized is ridiculous, but yet you chose experience, adventure, laughter, highs and lows, and you literally rolled the dice, which I will be honest there. Are, I, I know the times in my life. I don't, ro I don't roll the dice. Yeah. And I'm so deeply inspired that you've chosen to roll the dice. So where, where does this, your, the you, things are on the up. We've got vision boards. We've got, you know, we're, we're, we're now cl climbing out of debt. Um, Tell us about being single for 12 years. Let's hear about all the dates. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question actually was, you know, because you mentioned something that I think can be very relatable for our listeners. And it's something I definitely relate to as well as I was single for a really long time in an age period where everyone was houses babies married. I felt like I was the last person to, you know, do any of those things. Um, yes, at the moment, there is a little mini muffin baking in my oven, but there's, you know, like had that not happened, you know what I'm saying? Like j the girls know just last year, I was like, literally, I am the person that doesn't get thrown a baby shower. I'm the person that doesn't get thrown an engagement party. I am the person that literally has to work my ass off and is never recognized unless I recognize myself because no party is being thrown in my honor. So I feel like I really relate to what you say because, you know, no matter, no matter where anybody's path is, that is the correct path for them. As long as you're walking your truth, it's aligned. And I believe that. And so I'm not saying that anybody who chooses this path is, you know, any other certain way, but all I know is that I felt like an outsider from society's air quotations, norms, for a really long time. And honestly, I still kind of do like, it's never like, you know, I'm, I'm still not married and there's something vacant. Right. So one of the first things people ask were, but are you married? You know, anyway, so point is, is that I would love if you could speak to this because I know not all of our listeners are in a space of being wedded or, or giving birth to somebody or anything like that, or buying a home or things like that. So maybe share a little bit about how rolling the dice, as Ali mentioned, played, um, a real maybe role in, in your, your journey in terms of this. I think it'd be very fascinating. Amanda, I feel you girlfriend. Um, I know you do. I saw you, you were just like, <laughs> yes, this is what, yes. And yes, like, I just know you get it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 41. Um, I'm 41 and I had a serious boyfriend from like 19 to 24 and then 26 to about 28, 29, and lived with both partners. Um, and I always had thought with my original boyfriend, we were going to get married. And that was kind of it, you know, that young love. I'd never even thought about options. I always thought for sure I'd have kids. Da, 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 da. Well, when I broke up 29, entering my 30s, um, I was like, freedom, because I realized that with my last partner like I did so much compromising and I know you can relate um that it wasn't the relationship I wanted and I was like 
hell no. So I want to say it's because I was so strong that I didn't have a next partner. It wasn't. It was that I was so scared to get back into what I was in. So it was really more out of being like scared. And then as time went on, self-worth really played a point. Like I had to do so much work on myself to get the relationship that I have now. But anybody who's listening, listen, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There is no time frame on life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you better that you got married at 25 or 45. It, just because someone had a baby, it doesn't mean that they're so happy either. Like they had a baby. They're still them. They, they haven't actually changed. They just had a child, which is a miracle in this cool big thing, but they're still them getting married you're still you you're still you with all your problems so even when you meet the love of your life you're still you with all you <laughs> so I was single for so long and I just made the fucking most of it bitches I like loved it used every single app and I did have the benefit of living all over the globe and I had the benefit of the career I was in on yachts. Everyone, I was an old lady on yachts. Everyone is, all my friends from yachts are like 10 years younger than me. So I felt, never felt pressure on yachts. It was only when I came home with everything here or like maybe looking on Instagram and seeing, oh, cool, somebody else is engaged. Great. Like, uh, it's awesome. And how many baby showers? I've been the best friend at everybody's wedding. I And I was a makeup artist. How many weddings have I been a part of? Like, when's my wedding? And I'm actually not going to have children. I have endometriosis, which if we have two minutes, I'll talk to you guys about that. But I'm having my uterus and um, ovaries removed in the fall. Um, so I had to make a really hard choice. Um, and I decided not to have children. Not that I don't love them or whatever but that's like a whole nother can of worms and a whole nother society's things. Because even in a simple form, I come back to Canada with the love of my life, this hot Spanish guy, Juan. And right away, right away, I haven't had a boyfriend in 12 years. Nobody's met him. So when are you having kids? Like he, we just got to Canada yesterday. We've been going out five months. Like when are we having kids? Like every person, like, hands down and then when I say we're not having kids then it's the next hour trying to convince me that now you have to have kids you don't have to do anything in your life and you don't have to have anyone in your life you your life can look however you want it to look so there's nobody nobody can tell you how your life is supposed to look so I hope Amanda that teed that up that, that really did. I'm, I'm incredibly feeling. like, I'm feeling it all in the same wavelength because I'm, I know also how it feels to be with somebody who maybe is international and you, you know, you introduce them to your people and they're sort of like, why couldn't you find someone local? It would have been. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> did you get that? Cause I did. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like, why is nothing ever good enough for anybody? Exactly. Just tell you guys quickly because I'll save you all the stories of all my one night stands, but um, I met my honey. That's why I, I'm here. That's why I met my honey, my Juan. I met my Juan when I was with another guy named Juan, a 24-year-old Zac Efron lookalike that I had met at the beach that day. And he got my number, long story short, hours later after I'd been drinking all day, um, text me, 
hey, do you want to meet up for a drink? And I said, meet me at this bar that's right under my apartment where my, I didn't know, but my wand worked there. So I arrived 10 minutes early, lit like a Christmas tree, prepared to meet this little hottie. And the bar was dead and my wand came over and she's like, can I help you? And I'm like, look, I have friends, you know. And he's like, cool. Um, did you want something to drink? And I'm like, yeah. But anyways, we hit it off and spent like 10 minutes like, fireworks chemistry um yes I was so drunk but um then my child bride arrived and Zach Efron comes in and want my wants like oh this must be his, your nephew and I'm like don't talk to me anymore I'm busy with this young guy and before we even finish our drinks me and Juan Efron are making out at the bar in front of my current love of my life yes Yes, Raina. And then I took him upstairs. As my auntie said, I'm one horny bitch. And um, the next night, I had a friend's birthday party at the same bar that I met one. So I dressed up and I was like, act natural, act natural. And I got there and I'm like, okay, the hottie's not here. That hot bartender's not here. Thank God I can like relax. Minutes later, tap on the shoulder. Hello, Sarah, how are you? You must be so tired. Where's your friend from last night? How did it go? And he just made so much fun of me for like an hour and then later came up to me and said, look, jokes aside, I thought I met someone very special last night. Can I have your phone number? And then he asked me out, but I just said, come over tonight, come up for a doobie after work. So I banged him. I did two wands, two back-to-back -back wands. Yes, that's it. Single for 12 years. Nailed it. Nailed it. I love it. <laughs> if we could all unmute at one time, the three of us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't. One. one I'm dead. No, Two Who's one. One Efron. Efron. <laughs> it's one Efron for me. Yes, one Efron. <laughs> you guys could turn that into a reel. I don't mind. One horny bitch. One <laughs> <for real. laughs> well, don't worry. I am sweating now. And like we were talking before we started recording, Sarah's sweating. And I'm like, all this wand talk has got me just dripping. It was real hot. It was real hot. Two Latin wands. Yeah. I, I mean, in one part, we're all jealous. And then we're all <laughs> about this story because. I think that once you meet that person, you double want it one night, there's good booze, there's some yeah. weed involved. I mean, like you're painting like our epic night. Oh. Are you in Spain? It was so yeah. fun. I was at a Michelin star restaurant before that. Everything was amazing. Right? All this stuff aligns and you think, here we go, baby. I'm going to get <laughs> like, then you fall in love. It, everything's lining up. The guy moves back to Vancouver with you and in your head, maybe because of society, but also as women are trained, there had to have been a part of you. And I don't know your endometriosis story, but maybe there was a part of you that's like, man, it's my turn. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. Maybe this could happen. And now you get, did you get a diagnosis? Did, was there red flags? Can we dig a bit into that where kind of what we as women think are going to happen and yet again, Sarah, because I know you so well, and now I think all the girls and everyone listening, you yet used an attitude of gratitude to kind of relook at how your life is currently today. So can you kind of go through that? You're making out with Juan. Yes, we're here. We're here. Yeah. Now you bring him home. Him 
him him reenacting me making out with Juan Efron is the most embarrassing thing I can ever anyone could ever do to me. He's like, then you're like this. I'm like, shut up, shut up. But Juan and I, we're the same age. Um, we're just six months apart, which I can't believe that. And I can't believe I was lucky enough to find somebody whose life was like mine. Juan traveled his whole life, wasn't living like a regular society driven life. And um, it just, everything lined up for us to come back to Canada. Um, we'd only been going out four or five months. And just like you said, Allie, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm falling in love. It's finally my turn. You know, all the whole big picture. And um, it, it was all good, but two things, one, one when we started about talking about kids and stuff actually he he wasn't that sold on having kids he he loves kids so that was really hard for me to hear from him because he like loves them so much I thought it was going to be opposite but actually he it's really scares him <laughs> he's really really scared and we're at a place in our life like we're trying to develop ourselves. We don't, we want to give to ourselves. We don't have the extra to be giving, but if it wasn't for the endo, my endometriosis, short for endometriosis is endo. Quickly, endometriosis is a disease that affects women, a chronic illness. One in 10 women have um, endometriosis. It takes eight to 10 years to get a diagnosis. And the only way to get a diagnosis is through surgery. So women go, my diagnosis took over 15 years and literally seeing doctors all over the globe. 50% um, of all women having um, infertility problems is due to endometriosis. Um, I got my diagnosis um, six years ago, um, but it's still now, as I told you guys, I'm having this partial hysterectomy um, in the fall. It's taken this many years to, to get somewhere. And um, it's, it's debilitating. What happens is each month when you have your period, um, cells from your uterus break off and attach them to other, attach themselves to other organs in your body. So it creates like lesions and adhesions, almost like cysts, like glue. So all my organs are glued together. I have had surgery before to get my diagnosis and to remove the endometriosis, but there's so few doctors who are specialized um, educated even in in endometriosis like my own gp i had to argue with him and i diagnosed myself and he apologized to me after which doctors are not supposed to do um he when he when i he got my report after my surgery he was just like in tears he's like i have did i'm so sorry like i didn't know enough about this and the stuff i did know this isn't how it like presents so i'm sorry and um, I felt better for like a year. So what happens is you have horrific periods, like horrific, um, but it's not just your periods. I have chronic back pain, leg pain, brain fog, fatigue, tired. Um, I get so bloated. I looked like 10 months pregnant multiple times a month. Um, and yeah, like the last three days I've been on strong medication on the couch, like man down. So this me, this me, this is the real me, but sometimes I'm couch me. Um, I still got, still got jokes on the couch, but uh, not a lot of energy. And um, fast forward to me and Juan having kids, I saw specialists. So part of us coming back to Canada, the main reason was for my health. 
I needed to get my health in order. There's a clinic at BC Women's Hospital for endometriosis. I wanted to get involved. It took almost a year to get in. First time seeing her, she's like, boom, boom, bang. We want to remove your uterus. We think this is going to help you. And so I came home and one and I had to talk. So all of December with so many tears, because just when I thought I was like firm in my decisions to start losing it again, because then you meet someone like Amanda, who's got a little muffin in the tummy, like muffin in the tummy. Like, I want a muffin in the tummy. But, but I was like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Actually, I, I love the idea of like having a baby and like, you know, I'd love to see me and Juan together. But Allie, like, you know, the reality of what it's actually like to have children. It's not it's not a dream. It's not a fantasy. It's amazing. It's a gift. And it's so fucking challenging. And my whole life has I've been a mom to everybody. I've given to everybody. I've been through all the challenges. Like, this is my time to shine. I want to be a mom to me and just give everything to me. And I don't care if that sounds selfish. Like, I just want me and my honey to have this, like, this dream, like our dream life. So I hope that wasn't too, too complicated there. I don't think it's complicated or selfish. And I like, I applaud women that look at their life so critically because there are like, there's everything that you see tells us to live and do a certain way. And it's like, I mean, I'm excited for you to have some relief that I'm glad there's diagnosis that you still have your attitude of gratitude, but what I would love to kind of, you know, slowly move into because all this is amazing, but now what? So where does Sarah go from here? What is the next? What are you working on? What, what are you building? What is the, what is the next step? Because I always love the question. That's great. So now what? Yeah. Cool. But now what? Cool. But now Uh, what? I don't want to say it's maybe a parenting thing because, uh, you know, I am going to do my own parenting horn, but even when my kids fall, she'll be crying and I'll say, this is okay. So now what? Yeah, now, now what? They just need some ice or some rest. That's great. So there's always a next step. And I am like beyond excited because I just want to know what is Sarah's next step? Well, my goal has always been my entire life. Always, 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 always to have my own show. The Sarah Mashansky Show. Starring Sarah Mashansky. Um, no, truly though, that's the truth. Um, so that's what I want to do. I don't know how you get there. Recently, I, about a year ago, I'm like, well, you do have your own show because you have Instagram and you're on Insta story every day making a show. So it's time to smarten up. So in the last year, I've decided to look at my Instagram more like a business and do everything I can to monetize off that. Um, so I see myself as like a motivational, inspirational speaker. I'd like love to have a podcast. I'd love to share more of my story. Like, as I'm sure you guys can hear, there's, there's more, there's more details and just to help inspire more people. So I am also trying to figure out exactly what that looks like, but I think I spent too much time saying I spent so much of my life trying to be a square peg in a round hole. The minute I realized I'm square and I don't need to fit in a round hole, like I just can be me, it was cool, but I now have to take that into my social media, into my show life. 
because people always want to put me in a box like okay well you're a chef so you have to only have your social media about being a chef no i don't <laughs> you want to talk about endometriosis your social media can now just be about endometriosis no it doesn't like but why but i get caught up in that as well like what am I even doing on here? Like, I'm not, where are my three pillars? I don't have the three pillars. Like, there's so the pillars are gone. It's like, but actually I have a huge engagement. I have now my first collaboration. A company is paying me to make um, videos for them, for their food company. Um, I'm on my first podcast as a guest, sharing my story. And I didn't have to change anything about who I am. Like, so this is like a learning you guys giving me this opportunity you're helping me solidify that i don't have to change who i am just keep being me and just keep showing up so that's where i'm at and i just want to build a bigger platform to help more people and make people laugh because like i think you guys can tell that's like my favorite thing to do <laughs> you're so funny so funny and I could literally watch your show all day long I just followed you while everybody was talking and I will be following the show from now on um will you share with everybody though like where to find you your Instagram if you have a website anything new coming up you know that they can get plugged into that kind of thing too okay thank you Reina thank you Reina I am on Instagram as at the Sarah Mashansky show, Sarah with no H and Mashansky. Well, fuck it. There's only one. So if you figure it out, spelled, no, just kidding. Mush, M U S H A N S K Y, the Sarah Mashansky show. And I am actually in the process of building a website. I'm on TikTok at the Sarah Mashansky show. I'm on Facebook as Sarah Mashansky or the Sarah Mashansky show. Um, and Coming up is just more. I'm working on more and more content. I'm sharing more recipe videos and more inspirational videos. And um, I'm going to actually, it's in the works right now to start doing a live once a week. Um, I think it's going to be around dinner time and to do a 30 minute meal with everybody um, so that we can just have some fun and gab. And I'm having my friend video it so she you guys can ask questions and she can ask me while I'm cooking and then we can turn those into Instagram TV episodes and then I'll catch you guys I'm replacing Ellen and then Oprah's coming over for lunch so fuck it I just want to be on your show when you like start having people on your show yes! then it's our turn to be on your yes! show oh my god I can't wait I can't you know, wait I feel like what we need to do is all get together and cook I need you to give us a recipe that we can like cooking class it up and then make that live oh that would be so fun I would love that yeah I'd love people see how badly we need your help that would be excellent <laughs> that would be so yeah, much I've seen fun. what Allie's cooking she's nailing it she's yes. her, her Allie's charcuterie boards are like <laughs> this is true uh, last it's like a great ca cut carrot sticks a piece of salami it, she takes pictures and shows me i'm just roasting her because she tells me yeah, yeah. I, it, uh, the joke is that i can't make a charcuterie board <laughs> charcuterie board should be so simple and i literally have like three grapes a half a carrot stick and a, a cracker that i've been nibbling on and i'm like is this close sarah no. like on a but it's on a wooden board so it's like close close, it's close. Well, I wouldn't. Oh, sorry. Can I just say that I know for certain that people are not only going to be inspired by following you, but also just 
just, I think, discover so much more of themselves, discover a little bit of that truth, which I love that you sort of ended on where you were just saying, you know, there is no one way to do this, one chance at life. There is no, you must be the round peg for the round hole. You can be your square, be exactly who you are. And I think my greatest takeaway from you sharing here with us today was you doing it exactly your way brought on the universe a corresponding roadmap for how to gift you with those opportunities. But not just stop there. You didn't just see the opportunities and wave goodbye as they passed you. You literally jumped on board for every single one. And you even did it when you were struggling with debt, when you felt like, what's my purpose now that I'm back here? How do I restart? What do I restart? And I know with the year we've had, a lot of people can relate to being exactly there. So, I mean, all this to say to all of our listeners, make sure that you are checking Sarah out because it will be a huge favor to you if you do. And also to Sarah, who I know will be our next Ellen or Oprah, <laughs> and we can't wait to cook with her um, and take a, take the time, share this with somebody that you know, who you feel can relate to Sarah's story, because truly that's our passion is to be able to get amazing guest speakers on our podcast that we feel can resonate with the things you ask us and the things you want to hear about. And so Sarah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for tuning in with us really. Um, and what I know for sure is that this needs to be shared. So remember to like, comment, pass it on to a friend, tag Sarah, tag all of us, because we love to see everybody tuning in and make sure that you catch us on our next episode of Let's Put the Rad in Radical. 